I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. For it is the power of God for salvation. For it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes. Romans 1.16 Hey everybody, welcome to Getting the Gospel Out podcast. Today we are focusing on the question, what Bible passages can I use to share the gospel? Today, help me answer this question I have with me two friends. Uh, One is a woman who ambitiously took her children on a camping trip to sleep in a yurt and was attacked by a porcupine. You got it. Is this true? Okay. And a woman who uh, has lived in Wisconsin her entire life and has 0% interest in the Green Bay Packers. Is this true? Oh, my that is hard to answer that one live. Is it close to 0%? It's probably really close. Pro- probably really close. Okay. <laughs> so the yurt uh, and the porcupine. Yes, that's 100% true. Tell me the story. I took my kids camping. We rolled up. We were in the Sleeping Bear Dunes. And our camp guide said, by the way, there's a porcupine. Watch out. Um, I'll bring my gun tomorrow, my, you know, V-22 or whatever. And in the middle of the night, we heard... <laughs> and the kids woke up. I woke up. I was scared. The camper said, make loud noises. So we started stomping our feet. We started taking kerosene lamps and chucking them, and the kids were freaking out, and then it would become dead quiet, and then on another part of the yurt, you would hear that. So... I don't know how much sleep we got that night. but was, was it eating the yurt? Yes, it was eating the wood of the yurt. Wow. Yes. Mm. Okay, interesting. Mm. And yeah. you guys survived? We survived. You we got survived. no quills? No, we survived. And... Um, it's just a memorable story that yeah. we all laugh about. All right. This is Shauna Fralick. <laughs> and then oh I, have, I have another friend with me, uh, a man who has an amazing intellect, but I'm told has trouble remembering which drawer the silverware is in. In my defense, okay. every once in a while, my children or my wife will switch things on me okay. and uh, to make it even harder. All right. And you've lived in this house for how long? Uh, 20-some years. Yeah, 20-some years. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I also heard that you were uh, a security at a psych center yeah, at one I was time. A, I was a, yeah, I was a psych assistant. And that possibly on your last day you helped one of the patients escape? No, on my first day. On your first day? Yes. Okay, so... Yes. All right. So I just gone through all the training, um, management of assaultive behavior, all that good kind of stuff. So it's my first day on the unit. I come in, I meet the, the, the residents. They're all teenagers, most of them court ordered. And uh, this one kid says, hey, looks like Brutus. And so from that moment on, I was Brutus. Um, They bring me into the recess, like uh, during school, they have a school inside the unit. Uh, I go outside with the the residents during their recess with one other staff person. They're playing basketball. Ball gets stuck between the rim and the backboard. And shortly after that, a fight breaks out. So the the more uh, experienced guy takes the two into back into the unit and I'm all by myself. This one resident says, uh, hey, we can't get the ball. Brutus, can you can you give me a, Brutus. Uh, a lift? <laughs> lift? Oh, my so goodness. So I put my, my hands together and I lifted the guy up so he can get the ball. Over so the he, fence. No, so he jumps up and grabs a hold of the rim, pulls himself up and onto the backboard and leaps up onto these, like, I don't know, the walls were probably 16 feet, barbed wire. And he just lays his body over the barbed wire and flips over, and he's gone. Oh, my And I'm just standing there underneath the basketball First first day of work. First day of work. Which, it wasn't your last day of work, too? No, I I thought it was. I thought it was. But it turns out that they had this all planned out. They knew I was the new guy. They they knew that they could get that ball stuck. And and these two guys started the fight in order to draw the experienced guy. Wow. Pretty smart kids. Oh, they're... So did they find the kid that escaped? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Wow. That's an interesting story. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about 
your vocation and how you integrate ministry into that vocation. So I'm a lecturer at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay in the communication department, and I have the privilege and honor to work with hundreds of students every semester teaching various classes. And so I like to interweave stories of my life in class, and I do touch on the gospel. One thing that has been impressed upon me is to invite students over once a month for dinner and to talk about a current day issue in interweaving faith, but it's very open. And so there, it's not specifically agenda driven as much as it is, can we um, engage in looking at, is there a God? And, and if so, what kind of difference can that make mm. in your life? Mm. And so that's also very interesting. And I, I like to look at issues around success, around beauty, around relationship, mm. um, common everyday cultural idols, and mm. trying to confront them to see maybe there's something more. I do interweave some scripture on that. So I know kind of on a monthly basis, I'm sure mm-hmm. you don't hit every month, but Correct. in general, <laughs> monthly basis, right? You have students over. Yeah. And so do you just lob out, like, do you say, okay, we're going to discuss this from a faith base? Like, what do you, how do you advertise it? How do you promote it? What do you say to people? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll, you know, I typically just say, listen, when I was your age, when I was in college, I was lost. I was a party girl and incredibly reckless. Mm. And I had questions and I was searching. And for anyone who has questions, searching, skeptical about if God is relevant to my life, I invite you to come. Mm. That's typically how I invite. And, and then, then do you say this this month we're discussing this? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'll give a teaser. Like, you know, I've said, let's talk about success or let's talk about sex or let's talk about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, like I'll pick maybe different literature pieces where we can read or summarize or look at mm. something in a different way. Mm. So then how does it go? Like, so you come together and you guys, I'm guessing you have food. Yes. Because you're kind of a food person. Yeah. And then, so you, so you have really good food and then you'll, you guys will sit down and say, all right, let's talk about, um, like, do you do politics? Uh, I have not done politics yet. No, I have not done politics yet. No, but typically what I'll do, we'll just start with an icebreaker, introduce yourself and I've had icebreakers that are light and fluffy, and I've had icebreakers. How do you identify yourself? Mm. Where are you at? Um, just to get a sense of my audience, because student groups always change. I would say one of the most notable and probably the most impactful for this group generation currently is social media and FOMO. They love talking about it, and they can relate. FOMO. FOMO. FOMO, the fear of missing out. Uh, oh, yes. Interesting. FOMO. And, and we evidently missed out yeah. on that, right? <laughs> we, missed out on, we missed out on FOMO. So, okay. All right. FOMO. Interesting. Is that is that a term that, that college students oh, all yeah. know? Yes. Okay. Everyone knows that one. Oh, man. That means we're, we're old. Not cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which like, I guess we already knew that, didn't we? But so they know that you're a Christian. Yes. Okay. So when they're, it's not like you're not bait and switching them. I know you're not a bait and yeah. switch type of person. So they know they're walking into an atmosphere where you have a Christian faith. Correct. And you say you don't have an agenda, but I think your agenda is to create a safe space to have these conversations and talk about how faith intersects this stuff, right? Yeah. That's neat. That's really cool. And then I would say, you know, students can come and talk to me during office hours. When I get to know them more, I'll invite them to Bible study, invite them to church to investigate and search. But I had a student just the other day. Um, reach out, and we initially just started talking about her schedule, and then there was an awkward silence. And she's like, Shauna, you are more reckless and dangerous than any professor I have in the classroom. Mm. <laughs> I initially was like, oh, no. Yeah. And she goes, but you have so much joy. Mm. What is it? Mm. And I think when students see the difference of the gospel lived out, just in the everyday, it invites intrigue mm-hmm. and conversation, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And how'd that meeting go? Good. We I almost was late to class. I mean, yeah. we spent close to an hour talking. And she asked something very interesting. She, was, she came from a church background, rarely goes to church. She said to me, I don't even know how to know about God. Mm-hmm. How do I eat? Where do I start? 
And so I said, well, you could read the Bible. There you go. You could come to Bible study, come to church. But I ended our meeting with just the core that I've heard you preach and others mm -hmm. preach that you are more sinful and mm -hmm. I am more sinful than I could ever imagine. But I'm more loved in Christ. And when that doesn't just become a head reality, but a heart reality, you mm. will have more freedom and joy than you could ever imagine, mm. which is the good news. Yeah, that's really cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So then you say you also lead some Bible studies or something? Yes. Or... Yep. Going through the person of Jesus Bible study. It's a great study. Uh, just going through the Gospels and looking at how Christ interacts with others and I have students who are believers that come, and I have students that aren't. And wonderful, it's a great intersection. That's really cool. Dialogue. So it's just you and the the students. Um, no, there's other ladies from All Saints Church. Cool, that's mm -hmm. neat. The university, do they give you any pushback for leading them? Okay, this well, we we do not meet. Um, we meet on campus, but we meet at the Mothy Center, which is a technically not a part of the campus. Not right? part of the campus. It's right, like yeah. a postage stamp on a public university, right. and that postage. It's stamp. in the middle of it. Yes. But yeah, for those for those who don't know, it's, it's right in the middle of campus. Yes. But it's technically not a part of campus, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a kind of a safe haven where you can have those studies, those conversations, yes. and that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. It is. That's really encouraging. So, Ron, tell us a little bit about your ministry. Sure. I'm uh, currently I'm headmaster at Providence Academy. It's a classical Christian school here in Green Bay. Um, and I also teach some classes. Uh, depending, <laughs> depending on what the need is, right now I'm teaching uh, seventh grade Bible, uh, math, and leadership classes. So I'm curious in the context of the school. It's a Christian school. Yes. That doesn't mean every kid who comes there is a Christian. No. And so how do you share the gospel in the midst of that context? Yeah, I think one is just to be clear, right? So in uh, <clears throat> chapels, Bible studies, everything we try to do um, is, you know, everyone needs the gospel. Mm -hmm. So we we try to talk about the gospel a mm -hmm. lot, and it is... It, and students who are not Christians or even kids that are Christians with their uh, often have odd ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So just trying to trying to get them to understand that they <laughs> they're saved by grace, mm -hmm. right? It's God's grace, and you, it's nothing that you do. It's nothing that you earn. It's nothing, right? You're um, it, it's uh, that that whole idea of just resting in Him. Mm -hmm. They don't. It's rare. That a, that a student gets that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a constant e evangelism that's happening. Mm -hmm. So we went through um, Genesis and Exodus, and the whole time I'm preaching grace mm -hmm. because it's right there. Yeah, it's, it is. it's right there cool. and uh, over and over again so yeah. that they need to be reminded of it. And they always mess up. Yeah. I mean, in their thinking, but, uh, but it's also the existential part of it um, where they're trying to be good enough. They're trying to be... Right. Um, they try And when the, the kids that get pretty good at being good, mm. then they're sinning in that, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> showing showing them that. Right? Yeah. And, and uh, what grace really is. And, yeah. That's cool. That's really neat. Yeah. So, and, and there's opportunities to talk to their parents about the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What class do you teach? I teach a number of classes, communication law. So I'm an attorney by trade, free speech. I t teach fundamentals of public address, how to speak in public, small group communication, theories of an interview, and then a couple online courses. So mostly communication stuff. Yes. Interesting. I knew the legal stuff was yeah. there. I didn't realize the communication stuff. No. I'm a stuff. bit of an odd duck, but it allows me freedom and an opportunity to play in a very different way. That's fun. Yes. That's really cool. It is. That's awesome. Well, today the question is, what Bible passages can we use in order to share the gospel? But before we get to that, I want to ask a question. Is it helpful to use the Bible when you share the gospel? Is, is there some context where it is more helpful and some context when it is less helpful to use some of the Bible when sharing the gospel? I would say it's essential to use the Bible in that it's not my gospel, it's God's. Um, so we use his word to, to share that gospel, to explain the gospel. To When I'm sharing the gospel with someone, they need to understand that the authority of it isn't, it's not me. I didn't make this stuff up. It's, it's from the Bible. 
it's from God's word. Mm. So I, I would say it's essential. Yeah. Was, are there any situations where maybe you wouldn't use the scriptures or wait to use the scriptures? Um, I, I think in the preparation of people hearing the gospel, I think sometimes you can do that. Yeah. But I think when it comes to it, I'm always wanting to point them to God's word so that they understand that's authoritative. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just my deal. What do you think, Shauna? Well, I, you know, to Ron's point, I do think it's essential. The way I share the gospel and my faith is more through story mm-hmm. and through engaging people's stories and listening to their brokenness and looking for a way in to talk about the hope and life in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I typically do not start out quoting the Bible, yeah. but it's really looking for an opportunity to hear the heartache, to hear the inner emptiness, and then to just offer there's hope mm-hmm. that is beyond them. Yeah. I don't necessarily have specific verses that I want to go to. Right. Often what I use is story from the Bible. Like yeah. That can, in listening to them and where they're, um, where you hear that avenue, I typically go through a, a story. You know that they've heard bef- the gospel before, they have a church background. Or I might go to Bartimaeus, who's blind and hears that Jesus is coming by and, you know, cries out, um, you know, talks about how he throws his cloak away mm. and but the people are shouting him down, you know, just, hey, be quiet. And, um, but then the Lord calls him and, and to talk about, well, you know, where are you at? Like, what is it that you need to, what's hindering you? Mm. What is it that you need to throw away? What are those voices that are telling you not to? So I, I try to relate it to that's cool to the story in Scripture. Yeah, kind of find stories that mirror their story yeah. a little bit and pull those out. I mean, I think you can share the gospel without quoting a specific verse, um, as long as you're faithful to the the Bible. But the Bible does have a weightiness to it. It carries an authority when I do use scripture passages with people. It's And kind of to your point, Ron, if I share certain stuff, they might say, oh, well, that's kind of your opinion, right? <clears throat> but then if I can quote a verse to back it up, there's a heaviness to it. And, and and some of it may be because of the community we're in has still has some reverence towards the scripture. I'm not sure because I've always lived in a culture that at least has a Christian mind frame. But, you know, if, I, if I'm if i sharing with someone who would consider themselves, quote, a Christian, but believes you're saved by good works, and then I share the verse that says, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing, that carries a lot of weightiness than just me saying it. Mm-hmm. And so when God's word says something, it carries a lot of weight to it. You know, you even look at the scriptures and the scriptures talk about just the power of God's word. Romans ten seventeen says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Second Timothy 3, which many people are familiar with, says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. First Peter 1 says, Since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but if imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Um, I, I find even with people who claim to be atheists who haven't ever put any kind of faith in God, when I, when you do point them back to the word and just say the words of scripture, it's active. Hebrews 4.12, yeah. for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints of marrows, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it definitely has power. And at least there, I think there's some reverence from people of different religions and even atheists for the scriptures. The word tells us that uh, the word of God will not return void. It will accomplish its purpose, whether it is to condemn someone or to save someone. And I think especially with our theology and believing that God is the one who has to be the first mover, we get the simple task of sharing the word of God and allowing his Holy Spirit to make it something that they receive and grasp and treasure and hold into eternal life or if they reject it, which is their own condemnation, and they're doing it by their own free will. Well, one verse I love is, yeah. the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, 
But for those who are being saved, it is the power of God. All right. So the question, what Bible passages can you use, do you use to share the gospel with people? Well, my favorite Bible verse is the verse that you have at the intro of your podcast. You stole it. But I love that. It's, it belongs to God. I'm not stealing it from God. I'm just, I'm just using it. I'm not stealing it from God. But I love that. Yeah. And I, you know, when I, if I'm at a party or if I'm with people, that is just such a great entryway. I'm not ashamed of the gospel mm-hmm. because it's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And even saying that gives me a confidence and an assurance of God's presence to not be ashamed um, because that's that's where I live, you know, under that banner of God's love mm-hmm. that I am loved so much. Mm-hmm. And when you throw something like that out there, it disrupts and someone's either curious or they evade. And then if they evade, I'll ask them another question maybe that mm-hmm. will pique their interest if they don't want to talk about the Bible. So you'll actually quote that verse Mm -hmm. to them. So you're not just keeping this verse treasured in your heart, like, don't be ashamed. You're actually sharing that verse with other people and then seeing what their reaction is. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Ron, what what about you? I like it. Yeah. Well, I I love uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Um, but that the world through him might be saved. And it, it's that um, that idea of we live in a world that is needs to be saved. The people need to be saved. There's And that, um, and, and so, you know, people live or walk around knowing they're condemned. Uh, they might not admit it, but they know it. And uh, trying to show them Christ where they there's uh, no no more condemnation mm-hmm. is a, is a great thing. Uh, I, I like I said I like sharing stories. I I love to talk about Genesis three, hmm. um, you know the the original sin, um, but also with the promise hmm. um, and and to show them how God covered them. You know they were who hasn't felt naked, right? And ashamed, ashamed yeah. right? Yeah. They're ashamed. They're they're vulnerable to God. In uh, in his wrath, or in you know, because of this sin, and to so that they would know that there's good news, and God knows, but loves you anyway, and and will cover your sins uh, through the blood of His own Son. Mm-hmm. So again, that's the I I like theology a lot, but um, the the gospel tends to be um, more of a existential or you know about connecting with life right right there. So that's uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. I know for me it's because we live in such a works righteousness culture and because every other religion's works righteousness, I really like to go towards verses that talk about the depravity of man, mm-hmm. which interestingly en- enough, when I preach and it really highlights the depravity of man, there's more joy in those services than than when I don't because people get knocked off the performance treadmill again and again and again. I realize just how great the love of God is that he would love us even in our depravity. Um, you know, Romans 3 is something that I will quote to people because a lot of people come from, I mean, even in Christian circles, if they grew up in a Christian church, they can grow up thinking that their righteousness saves them. Or those outside, but Romans 3 really just... What does it say? I'm curious. Yeah, Romans, <laughs> Romans 3, 10 yeah. says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And so statements like that are really helpful at just undermining people's self-righteousness. 
um, because they'll think, oh, the Bible's basic. You know, one of the things I get most frustrated about are children's Bibles. Because typically, children's Bibles are just about moralistic behavior yes. modification. Be like David and, you know, be courageous, be a warrior, fight Goliath. But David also, you know, Slept in well-fell sloop, yeah, yeah, committed adultery, fornication, you know, murder, all of those things. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. And so the, the Bible, like you said, the Old Testament is full of God's grace. Yes. Jonah's complaint to God. Jonah's complaint. Jonah was angry after he went and preached to the Ninevites. He was mad at God because he knew that God was gracious, uh, merciful, abundant in love. And I don't have the verse in front of me, but slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He was mad about that. And yet people think the God of the Old Testament is this cranky old guy, right? People of the Old Testament didn't think that. David in the Psalms didn't think that. He knew God was gracious and merciful and loving. And so... Anyways, I think it's it's great to be able to share depravity, but then also the contrast, just how gracious and loving and merciful God is. Absolutely. You mentioned Noah and, and uh, you know, our Bible class just talking about, um, and God found favor, uh, and, and uh, Noah found favor in the, in the eyes of the Lord, and then it talks about him being blameless and righteous. And pointing out that, that those words, found favor, is what we would say is grace. Yes. And God, God graced Noah, and the result of that grace was was this blamelessness and favor. And trying to – because every student who comes through will think that God spared Noah because he was righteous. Like that, yeah. that everyone was wicked. Well, he was righteous, everyone but why was, was he righteous, yeah, right? Everyone was wicked except for Noah, and so he was saved. It's like, no, everyone's wicked, but God picked him, graced him. And the the results of that grace yeah. is his righteousness. So it was, uh, it's uh, yeah, that works righteousness is very hard. That is hard. good. That is good. So I have a wicked story that I share in class. This is in my law class. When we're on freedom of religion and speech in school, and I said, well, listen, guys, I'll take a risk with you and I'll share a story about my life. It always makes my chest tighten before because... It just shows my depravity Mm. and my sin. But I'll start out and I'll say when um, my husband and I, when we were in law school, we decided to apply to the Air Force to serve as judge advocate generals. And we went through the interview um, process as far as submitting an application and a resume. And I'll be honest, I look really good on paper. I have the Mm. high GPA. I have the internships. And I look neat and tidy. And we get into this interview and... A question was asked that was unexpected, and I wasn't ready to answer. And the question was this, have you ever used drugs? And I was quiet. It was an odd interview. It was a joint interview, and my husband's next to me, who is G.I. Joe. And he says, well, no, of course not. And the, <laughs> the interviewer looks at me, this major, and I said, yes. And he asked, well, okay. How many times have you used drugs? I said, I can't even count how many times I've used drugs. And when I share this in the class, it's like a pin drop. And the following question is, well, why have you stopped? And I tell the class then, I said, this is why it is so important for us to be able to express what we believe. And I hemmed and hawed. I'm not going to use drugs anymore. I ne- and the officer kept saying, but why? And I said, do you really want the answer? And he said, yes, I want the answer. And I said, okay, I'll give you the answer. I became a Christian back in 2000. And when I came to faith in Christ, he changed my life. I was a train wreck. I had addictive issues in many different ways. Drugs was just one of them. I was in a pit. And when Christ came and redeem me and save me, he took this away. There's a Bible verse that says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone. And if it was quiet when I said I was an excessive drug user, it's even more quiet at this point. And the officer's response was this, I believe you, but you're a security risk. So what you just said, you need to write down on paper. It's going to go to a three-star general panel in Washington, D.C. 
And if they believe you, you will be admitted. And hey, I was admitted. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So someone believed. Yeah. And I think it is when we enter those stories or those places of saying, I am a sinner and it's wicked mm-hmm. and it is gross in the life that maybe the party scene I thought would offer me, um, the escape actually ends in complete sabotage mm. for your person and your soul. Mm-hmm. So those are cool. I mean, those yeah. are cool moments yeah, that I'm just thinking of your Romans 3. Yeah. I don't know the Romans yeah. 3 word yeah. for word, but I can yeah. share those stories. Yeah. One of my evangelism stories that went a little sideways was uh, in Young Life. And I had a group of guys. They were on the football team. We were going to go to Gla- Azusa High, Gladstone High, Crosstown Rivals basketball game. Very rough area. You know, and I'm here with these guys. There's a guy from Gladstone, an alumni, or an alumnus of Gladstone who's just being a jerk. Like, Mm -hmm. just a real, it was a very close game, a lot of tension. You could just feel it. I'm thinking there's going to be a fight anytime. It doesn't happen, but this guy was just, everyone was upset with this guy. We get in the parking lot, the guys get in the car, and uh, we're pulling out. And that guy from the other school, this, you know, graduate, cuts me off and then flips me off and takes off. (laughs) And my instinct immediately was I gunned it and chased it to chase him down. Wait, you did that? With kids in the car? With kids in the car. Nice. And we're flying down the road. And uh, the guy next to me is just, he's just like. Like, he's just ready. Let's go kill this guy. But I look in the rearview mirror, and there's a guy in the back, and he's just white. Like, he's, like, terrified. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing, what am I doing? I I pull over immediately, and I go, guys, I'm so sorry. What were you going to do, coach? What were you going to do? I go, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. What were you going to do? And I go, okay. I was going to go beat the guy up. I mean, I was going to go beat the crap out of the guy, and that's wrong. I'm sorry. I forget. Will you forgive me? I, I won't, you know. And they're like, you know, okay, you know. So I'm just thinking. I go home. I'm like, just, I just ruined my my witness. Like yeah. everything, all this time I've been trying to preach Jesus and talk to these kids, I, it's just ruined. Fast forward two years. Uh, one of the guys that was in the car, Bobby, I'll just call him. His best friend goes to camp. The, it's right after they graduate high school. Comes to camp, uh, comes to Christ, and uh, first thing he says is, hey, when we get home, Bobby, I know Bobby will want to be a Christian. And I go, what do you mean? I yeah. thought, you know, that Bobby had no interest at all in spiritual things. I never once had a good conversation with him about spiritual things. He was always coming to club. He was always, he'd go out with me and stuff, but he just was like I just figured, it's yeah. He's just there for the ride, and uh, and and this friend goes, no. Every Thursday night after club, he's asking me questions. Mm. Do you think this is real? Do you think mm. Jesus can really do that? Do you think he could forgive me? Do you think? Mm. And I was like, blown away. Wow. So uh, they they're going to come to my house because uh, Bobby wants to give his life to Christ. Mm. Um, we're going to go to a movie first, you know, and then, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. We're going to go so to funny. a movie first. They have that plan. Give my life anyway, to the All funny right. part is, is that there was a street preacher, you know, Turner Burn, you know, yeah. everyone's going. And uh, Joe's like, the, the his friend, he goes, I, you know, I don't know how to do it, but I bet that guy does. And so they went right to him, and he, and the guy goes, how do I give my life to Christ? Hmm. And he prayed with them, and he was, wow. they were all wow. excited. That's cool. So then I asked him this question. I said, you know, you seem so disinterested. Like, what happened? What happened? He goes, he goes, I don't know if you remember this, but our sophomore year, you took us to that Gladstone game. And remember, you're going to go beat the crap out of that guy. Oh, no. <laughs> he goes, he goes Bef- before, I just thought you were like this perfect guy and there's no way I could be a mm. Christian. He says, but when I saw what a jerk you were, I mean, yeah. oh, no. it was like, <laughs> like I thought, well, well maybe, he could, Jesus. maybe he could save me too. But it was, it was just such a, a s- stupid thing, but God... God had a plan really for it cool. all. 
That is cool. So back to the question in terms of like what Bible passages you can use to share the gospel. You you quoted John three sixteen and seventeen, yeah. which is obviously a big one. Yeah. Um, Romans Road is another yeah. popular mm-hmm. one that people use. Romans three twenty three is for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, glory of God. God. And in that, you're you're saying you uh, you don't live up to God's standards, right? You don't you don't live up to God's standards, right? All right, and then Romans six twenty three. Is, is that the wretch? The wages of, oh, wages the of, wages sin, of sin is death. Is death. Right. But the gift of God is eternal life. Right. And sometimes people throw in that second half. Sometimes they just leave it at the wages of sin is death and kind of like, what do you think about that? Right. And wow. kind of it's sit on It's a good time there. to pause. Yeah. It's a good time to <laughs> you have a good long pause. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. So that's Romans 3.23, 6.23, and then 5.8, which says... But God shows his love for us in that while we were, we're still sinners, sinners, Christ, Christ died, died for us. us. Okay. And then 10.9, which says, if you believe in your heart and confess Fest with, with your, your mouth, mouth, Jesus is Lord and shall be saved. saved. Mm-hmm. So that kind of is one, uh, one way that people would do it. And it goes through, you know, they talk about the four spiritual laws. Have you heard that terminology oh, yeah. before? Yeah. So basically God is good. We're sinful. Christ died for us. And we need to trust in him, right? Those are basically four. And the Bible verses kind of follow along with yeah. that. Personally, the verses that I use most when I sit down and share the gospel with someone is Ephesians chapter 2. Because I think it does a good job at emphasizing our depravity. Ephesians 2 starts with, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, yeah. following the course of this world. And so I'll ask, you know, what does it mean you were dead? Does it mean you were physically dead? Well, we know it can't mean that. So what does it mean you were dead? And kind of try and walk through, it means you were spiritually dead, right? Like you Mm -hmm. were dead in your relationship with God, completely lifeless spiritually. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And he says, in which you once walked, because he's speaking to the church. But he says, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. I usually don't go too deep into that, but it's talking <laughs> about that we all followed Satan at one time, right? Yeah. And, uh, and it says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so I'll ask the question, what does it mean we were children of wrath? What does it mean we fulfilled our passions? Sometimes I can go to the Ten Commandments then and say, okay, you know, it says, do not steal. Have you ever stolen anything? It says, do not, do not commit adultery. Have you ever lusted? And say, I have. Like, I have. Like, you can be honest, you know. Mm-hmm. Talk about how we're murderers, adulterers, thieves, just by our own confession. And because of that, we're children of wrath. And God's wrath is his just judgment on us for all eternity. And so really kind of camping there in the first three verses that are just all bad news, all true news, but all bad news, and helping us to come to the end of ourselves. That's kind of what has to happen, right? Like we have to give up on ourselves. We have to give up on trying to earn God's acceptance by our good works and say, listen, your best job made you a children of wrath. Like what are you going to do with that? That's not very good. And then then verse 4. And, uh, you know, but God are the best words in the Bible. It says, yeah. but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So then I usually go into talking about, okay, it talks about grace here. It talks about mercy. What's the difference between justice and mercy, and grace. And I usually get down to those three. So we'll say justice is getting what you deserve. So what does God say you deserve here? Wrath for all eternity. Would God be unfair to punish you that way? No. No. That's what we deserve. We deserve his wrath. That's justice. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So you deserve wrath. So mercy is God doesn't give you wrath, right? So like if you... If you run into my car and you dent it up, uh, justice as you pay for that. Mercy would be, I say, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay for it. You know, 
grace, so justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And then grace is getting what you don't deserve, which is even more beautiful. And so not only would me, me be saying, you don't have to pay for my car, but I would say, let me pay to fix your car, even though you're the one who's guilty of the accident. Right. And so people will say, it's as if we had big whiteboard and all our sins were written on it, which would be a massive whiteboard. Justice would be God treating you according to that whiteboard, right? What's written on there. Mercy is God erasing it clean, which is wonderful, but it goes even further. It goes to grace. And grace is God putting on the whiteboard of your heart the righteousness of Jesus Christ in loving you and treating you in that regard. So we talk about justice, mercy, and grace. Okay. That is the best collision you can have. What do you mean? (laughs) To collide with God's grace. Yeah. To hear the gospel and, and to think... This is this is our calling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many people can we impact and collide with in life? Yeah, and actually share what the you best just news. shared. Yeah, the best news, the greatest news. Yes, absolutely. So the passage goes on, and what I love about eight, nine, and ten is that because we have such a misunderstanding of good works, it clarifies it really, really well. And because so many people think we're saved by good, I mean, everybody, but. Born-again Christians believe we're saved by good works. So he says, for by grace you have been saved, which we talk about, through faith. So not by works. And it says, so Paul just hammers this. He says, through faith. And this, not your own doing, so you didn't do it. It is the gift of God. Mm-hmm. So then we talk about what is a gift? A gift, so Shauna, if I gave you a book, it's a gift, right? Thank if, you, Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you might want to see what book it is first, but... But, but if you paid me a dollar for that book, it ceases to be a gift. It's no longer a gift because you paid me for it, right? Yeah, correct. And so a gift is something that you receive without any payment. But you know what? I have to absorb that debt. I have to pay for that debt. And that's what God has done. If, if he's given us salvation as a gift, someone has to pay for it. And that's what Christ did. Christ paid for our salvation upon the cross. And so he says, it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. He's just hammering at home. He says, for we are God's workmanship. And then here's where he shares where good works comes in. Because we all know we're created to do good works. We just get it mixed up where it plays into salvation. He says, for we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so God did not save us by good works but unto good works. He saved us to become fully human again, as he intended us to be. Because when we rebel, when we pursue sin, that is subhuman. And that's why we're depressed. That's why we're anxious. That's why we're frustrated. That's why we're angry. Because sin is always self-destructive. It's always subhuman compared to what God's intended design is. And so God has freed us from the power of sin so that we can walk more and more in righteousness in what it means to be fully human. And so it gives a beautiful picture of how good works a result of it, not a contributor to salvation. And I think that's really helpful for people because people will will know that, I mean, they know somewhere in there that that we shouldn't just go sin like crazy, even though we do, but that we are created to do good things, to do noble things, to do honorable things, to do courageous things. And it says, listen, God is saving you unto that but not by that. And so that's really helpful for me. So I love Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, because I feel like it's all there in one package. The one other one that I think is really helpful and really succinct is 1 Corinthians 15, in which Paul just actually lays out what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, and the word gospel means good news, the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, in which you are being saved. That's a term of sanctification, if you know what that means, becoming more and more like Jesus. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, he says, for I delivered to you, this is verse three, this is kind of more where it's at. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, And then he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the 12. But that's a simple gospel that he died for our sins and rose on the third day. So that's another passage that I think 
says it very succinctly. So did you have another passage? Yeah, I, well, there's lots of them. So I, again, my, I like to find Bible stories that kind of match them. And I, what I see a lot of is father hunger, right? It mm-hmm. becomes one of the big ones. So going to a story like the prodigal son mm-hmm. and talking about this is the kind of, this mm-hmm. is the father who will, who will run uh, to embrace him. And, and the, the, the son, the prodigal is, is like, he's just thinking, man, if I could just be a, a slave, right? But but he's going to restore him before he can even kind of explain himself. The father's already uh, bringing him in. So then then I'd go from that to talk about more of the idea of how he's adopted us as his children. How we're you know we have these privileges with him. Uh, one of the ones that I've you know Jesus is rushing off to raise Jairus's daughter, and there's the woman who touches him, and how he just spends time with her listens to her whole story and just talk about like who hasn't felt isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, she, when she explains, she's, she's done everything. She's, she's used up all her money, uh, all her hope. It's been 12 long years and, and he just listens to her and accepts mm-hmm. her as, as, uh, so there's a, a lot of, I mentioned the, uh, Zac, uh, the blind beggar Zacchaeus mm-hmm. is another one. Um, not even feeling worthy, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be, but he invites him in. Said, so I'm going to go to your house and mm. and, uh, and called them by you. name. Called them by name. So there, I mean, there's such yeah. a spectrum of human beings and the depravity of our sin and where they're at from, you know, kind of the self righteousness to the just incredibly low mm. self esteem mm-hmm. to the the extreme father hungers to the feeling lost in the crowd or desperate or yeah unloved. I mean, it's just there's so the the whole canon of scripture has has something for everyone. it really That's does great. it really it brings, really does. brings yeah. them in um so i typically will will use the try to parallel the the life of the person with a story in scripture and then use kind of the ephesians chapters or romans uh, uh verses to yeah to kind of more explain it or yeah fill, on a more, fill it in on a more legal yeah. level almost yeah, yeah. Because so. I think the what you were saying with Ephesians, I've probably already had a, a several conversations with them before getting there. Right. But, um, uh, of course, yeah. when, by the time I'm fitting in a story, I've also... For me, enough. yeah, and I'd say when I actually go through Scripture with people, usually it's I'm sitting down with them, coffee, new time, lunch, mm-hmm. or whatever, and just saying, okay, you know, what makes you a Christian? Kind of the question I ask people, and if they don't know... If they answer wrong, I'm like, all right, well, let's see what the Bible says. What does Ephesians 2 mm-hmm. say? Yeah. And walk them through that. Yeah. So I want to bring this full circle a little bit. So, Shauna, what was the term you used that Ron and I didn't know? Oh, FOMO. FOMO, which is? Fear of missing out. So how does that play into sharing the gospel? Because this is a thing that's happening in our society, right? And it so, is. so I'm just thinking, man, the gospel is the... Oh, it is the best news because there's freedom there. You know, the fear of missing out for young people today is not just did I go to the party, but my social media feed, my Snapchat, am I invited? Do I get a photo? Do I get a like? I mean, it is just this incessant spin of am I enough? Am I valuable? Where do I find my identity? And so the fear of missing out comes in as far as they don't want to miss anything. They don't want to miss their latest Snapchat feed let alone, and back in our day, it would be going to that physical party. Mm-hmm. It can just be online interaction. And so the gift of the gospel in this is that your identity is secure. Mm. You are loved and you're valuable. And you don't have to worry about missing out mm. because there are riches that are so lavish mm. when you enter that relationship with Christ. Um, that cannot be taken from you and that are more satisfying than thousands of likes or comments. Absolutely. And I think, you know, fear of missing out on anything, but it's, but I think we can say, do you have a fear of missing out on the best thing? Just, just because, (laughs) you know, we, our hearts are created for God and without him, we're restless, right? And we're, we're vacant and we're vacuums. And so, yeah, just thinking about how that plays together. I mean, because that, that just that just screams FOMO screams to me. They're looking for the gospel, mm-hmm. whether they know it or not, right? Yes. So, but they're looking yeah. for that thing that will satisfy their souls. I mean, Jesus says, 
whoever comes and drinks will never be thirsty again. They'll be satisfied, yeah. right? And so what a great opportunity is to bring the gospel to people who are looking not to miss out yes. on anything, but particularly the best thing. Just to recap what we covered today in terms of how can I use the Bible to share the gospel? We talked about using stories from the Bible, using some passages from the Bible as well. Some passages you can use are John three sixteen and 17. You can also use Genesis chapter 3, uh, 15 through the end, or really all of Genesis 3 in talking about sin, the fall, the promise of redemption and restoration through blood sacrifice. You can go to Romans Road, which is Romans 3.23, 6.23, 5.8, and 10.9. You can go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Really, you can use almost any Anything. scripture. Yeah. And I would even say you can use the scripture you studied for your quiet time that day. and Just mm. share the reflections that you had on that. But I think it is a healthy exercise to say, okay, if I had the chance to share the gospel with someone from scripture, what passage would I use? Thank you guys so much for coming. And uh, Shauna, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Thank you. Father, thank you for the delight and joy it is to think about you in this space and time. Lord, I pray that many people would be encouraged, that they would be emboldened to see that there is so much um, that comes in grace in Christ. Lord, may we be a people that collide with others and share this gospel message out in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Getting the Gospel Out podcast. Join us next time as we ask the question, how do I share the gospel with my children throughout the various stages of life? If you want more information about what we are doing, please go to www.gettingthegospelout.org. We are on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe. I also want to give you the gospel challenge that before we release our next podcast episode, that you would share the good news of Christ with someone whom God has providentially put in your path. Let's get the gospel out because the power is not in the messenger of the cross. It is in the message of the cross through the Holy Spirit. And those who receive it will have eternal life and heaven will rejoice.